would, please stand for the gospel lesson, which comes from the gospel of John, chapter 14. And your bulletin says 15 to 21. I'm actually going to read through the end of the chapter. So John, chapter 14, verse 15. Let me just remind you, this is God's word to us. It's given to us because he loves us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in in my Father, and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps, keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. So rise and let us go from here. This is the gospel of our Lord. Let's uh, pray and ask God's blessing upon uh, the sermon. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless, or have blessed the reading, and now you will bless the preaching of your word, that you would open our eyes and ears our minds, our hearts, to understand what it is that you would say to us today because yours is the voice that we need to hear above all others, the voice of love. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So sometimes, oftentimes, our homes are not safe or they do not feel safe. Sometimes the physical space of our homes itself are not safe, or even if the space is not life-threatening, per se, it's not going to kill you, uh, the conditions are not conducive for flourishing and are therefore stressful. They're not life-giving. They're not peaceful. It could be as serious as toxic mold in your walls or the simple annoyance of a leaky faucet that's driving you crazy. Either way, your homes do not feel like a place of rest. They don't feel like a place of refuge, of safety, of health. 
And sometimes, of course, it's not the physical space itself, it's the people in them who are not safe. Experience conflict between spouses, conflict between parents and children, conflict between roommates, and of course, domestic violence and abuse. We could live in the most beautiful and quaint houses or apartments if the people in them are not safe then our home is not safe. And of course, we can extend this analogy out to our planet. Collectively, we live on this third rock from the sun, and this planet as our home does not appear to be safe. Global warming and climate change, war, terror, economic uncertainty, political and cultural unrest. And in moments like these, When our home does not feel safe, or is it safe, sometimes we need an advocate. We need a person of expertise to come alongside us and help us to return our homes to a place of safety. Now, that could be as simple as a handyman coming to fix that leaky faucet that's just keeping you up at night and driving you nuts. Or it could be a housing attorney to confront a slumlord who refuses to turn the heat on in the winter and to take care of the rat and the roach infestation. Now, my family has never had to deal with a slumlord. I don't want to exaggerate, but we have had the misfortune of an unjust landlord who rented our basement apartment underneath us to unsafe people and then would not confront our downstairs neighbors when they were inviting people over Uh, to the property, who were not supposed to be there, who were not safe people, and they were sitting in their apartment all day chain-smoking, so that our apartment was filled with cigarette smoke all day, every day. Our home was not safe. It was miserable. It was quite literally toxic. And we couldn't fix it on our own. As much as we tried, our landlord just didn't care. He wasn't going to listen to us. He just told us to deal with it. But thankfully, though we couldn't fix it, we had a friend who could, an advocate, someone who could come alongside our family and defend our right to a safe and healthy living environment by contacting our landlord and stating that if he did not address the problems, or allow us out of our lease early so that we could leave, then she was going to sue the pants off him. And that finally got his attention. Sometimes we need an advocate to speak up on our behalf to protect us when our homes are not safe. We need a parakletos. That's the Greek word in our passage today there in verse 26, translated in our English Bibles as the helper, parakletos, which quite literally means the one who answers when called upon. The one who answers when called upon. Like our friend, who when we called her and asked for her help, she picked up the phone and she answered. Do you have people like that in your life? I hope you do. The advocate, the advocate, Jesus says he is sending the advocate, his Holy Spirit, into the home that so often feels the least safe, the most unsafe, 
this one, this home, this right here, these bodies that God has given us, the most fundamental home of ourself. A lot of the time, we don't feel home in our own bodies, do we? That's why we talk about the need for embodiment, or at least should be talking more about the need for embodiment. These homes don't feel safe to us. These bodies being the visible representation of our truest selves. We as 21st century Westerners are not good at embodiment because we don't feel like these bodies are safe. And Christianity hasn't always been helpful in this regard, to be honest, often promoting an ideology that, well, the body is bad. It's icky. It's gross. Only the spirit is what is good. And Christianity has condemned this ideology as a heresy known as Gnosticism long, long time ago. But yet somehow, subversively, still sticks around to this day. You hear these kind of thoughts all the time. And of course, our culture is not helping either. Body image, body shaming, body rejection. And then, of course, there's just the natural decline of our bodies as we get older. Everything hurts more. Things don't heal or take longer to heal than they used to. Our bodies don't metabolize calories like they used to. They don't filter alcohol and fried food as well as they used to. And of course, our mental and emotional being, which is housed inside these bodies and therefore inseparable from these bodies in psychosomatic union, often feels like that is in a constant state of turmoil with each other, our mental and emotional and our physical bodies. We can't feel emotionally and mentally healthy in these bodies, which therefore makes our bodies feel unhealthy, like as in actual physical pain and discomfort, which in turn makes us feel even more mentally and emotionally unwell. And so the cycle continues. It is hard to inhabit these homes that God has given us. They often feel unsafe. But it is into these homes that Jesus promises to send not just a piece of the divine, but a person of the divine, the advocate, to dwell in you, in these bodies, to speak up for you, to remind you, you deserve a safe and healthy living environment. You deserve a home, and you have one. No matter where you are, no matter where you go, no matter the circumstances, your home is in God, and God's home is in you. The Holy Spirit. Your advocate is constantly with you, saying to you, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid. You're safe. You're loved. You are home in me. The tragedy of sin is that we forsook, we forsaken our homes. We left our homes. We were driven out of our homes. The good news is God doesn't just say, oh, well, that experiment didn't work. Turn his face away. No, he says that's not the end of the story. 
Instead, the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus comes and says, I am the dwelling place of God. I am the revelation of the Father. And I am the way back to God's home. And he's sending the helper, the spirit of truth, to be with us forever. Jesus is going to dwell in you, and you yourselves will be the dwelling place of God. Not in a house, not in a tent, not in a glorious temple, not in a palace, or any particular geographic landmass. Wherever God's people are, there God dwells by his Holy Spirit. All you have to do is love him, keep his word, and obey his commandments. Now, is Jesus saying, if you're obedient and a good rule follower, I accept you and I'll be with you? No. That's not what he's saying. God always makes the first move. Always, 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 always. God, out of his mere good pleasure, pursues us and makes the way back to him because in our sin and disobedience, we cannot make the way back to him on our own. Our obedience is not to merit God. Our obedience is to stay home in God. It is the way to enjoy the blessing of relationship with God and his people. You know, we so often think that we get to have union with God through our morality when the reverse is true. We get morality through being in union with God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus says. Our obedience is the path for staying in the spirit, of staying at home with God. Maybe I can explain it like this. You know, my kids are my kids. There's nothing they can do to change that. I love them simply because they're my children and they belong to me. And my home is their home. But to the level of their obedience to the rules of my home, do they get to enjoy the blessings of living in my home, right? They enjoy uh, being part of our family. But if they fight, if they're careless with our property, especially my property, if they refuse to participate in family chores and do their part, then they don't cease being my kids. They don't cease to be loved by me anymore, but they don't enjoy the blessings of life in my home anymore. And you can ask them, trust me, they don't enjoy the blessings of life in my home anymore. You will not participate in family fun Friday night and eat pizza and watch a movie. You'll go to bed. How's that? Well, same is true in the home of God. Obedience to Jesus' words is not how you earn your way and punch your ticket to heaven It's how you live out being truly human and truly at home with God. How you flourish and enjoy the blessings of life that God intends for us to have. Your value, your dignity, your identity, your worth as a human being are not based on the tasks that you perform, the accomplishments, your productivity, your influence, your contributions, your work, your beauty, your wealth. You matter because God chooses to dwell in you. You matter because God's spirit dwells in you. He has chosen you, you people, these bodies to be the dwelling place of God. That's your significance. That's your fundamental worth and value. 
as the creation of the Creator. And that is amazing. That is incredible. And as incredible and as amazing as that is, we also know we resist that. We don't want necessarily God moving in to these houses. Because we're afraid that if we allow God to come in to these houses, then he's going to come in and start rearranging the furniture. And we don't really want that either. When we started Resurrection Sheepshead Bay, a church plant down in the Sheepshead Bay neighborhood of Brooklyn, and we were looking for a place for our house of God to, to worship, to come together on Sundays. One of the places that I went and looked at was the Knights of Columbus uh, building on Emmons Avenue down in Sheepshead Bay. Now, the Knights of Columbus are a Roman Catholic social organization, and uh, they have a, a building, a meeting hall down on Emmons Avenue. And so I made an appointment to go and ask them if we could rent space from them on Sunday mornings for our worship services. And so I get there, and I mean, it's just like your classic, just quintessential uh, native Roman Catholic Brooklynite, and he is not really sure about me from the start. And so this whole thing is really a shakedown, like try to figure me out. And at one point, we're touring around the building, and he says to me, he's like, now listen, that cross, and he points up to this huge, you know, crucifix up on the wall. It's like, like, now that cross is not moving. Like, we had a wedding here, and they asked if they could take it down. And I said, bro, if you invite me over to your house for dinner, I don't start rearranging the furniture. And I was like, we're good with the cross. It's okay. It can stay. And uh, anyway, he really, it, it, was, it was funny. He's like, so what are you again? And he's like, what religion are you? And I'm like, I'm the same religion you are. And he's like, but you're what? And I'm like, I'm Presbyterian. He's like, don't you have a Presbyterian church already in the neighborhood? I was like, yeah. Then why aren't you over there? I was like, do you really want me to give you hundreds of years of church history to explain the difference between Protestants and Catholics and Protestants and Protestants? And he goes, now. Nah. And we moved on. But we're scared of that, right? We're scared of God coming into these homes and he's going to start messing around. He's going to start rearranging the furniture. Well, let me tell you, he doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't just stop at rearranging furniture. Takes out a sledgehammer, circular saws, starts tearing down walls and throwing them in a big dumpster out in the front. And you'll say, whoa, what are you doing? Hold up, hold up. I didn't sign up for this. You're tearing down my house. This is painful to watch. You're hurting me. And he'll say, yes, I am. Because I have a different vision for your house. The spirit, the advocate, is the spirit of truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Especially when too much of our house stands on things that aren't going to hold it up anyway. And it needs to be remodeled. It needs to be reconstructed. Because the things that we're putting our worth and our significance and our value in, well, they're not going to hold us up anyway. And the Holy Spirit says it has to be built upon me. I'm the foundation for which your house is not going to crumble and fall. And it must make room. It must make room for me to fill it, not all this other stuff. To be filled with my spirit where you can have peace. 
the kind of peace that the world cannot give. And not only to make room for the Spirit to dwell in you and bring God's flourishing to bear in your life, but to also make room for others so that they too can be invited in to find their home, their safety, their peace, and God as well. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you. 